now that we're friends Here is an album you would like Here is a book you would like I think you'd like my cat and also my dog Because we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends, that we're friends. Hello and welcome to Now That We're Friends the podcast that takes your life questions and gives you homework. How are we, ladies? Friends? <laughs> That's my way of asking everyone how they are. <laughs> we're we're doing okay over here. <laughs> the royal we. The royal we, yeah. It's like very therapist. All right, how how are we feeling today? How are we? How's morale? It's one of my favorite ways to speak to children. Oh yeah. Instead of telling them you're being a little jerk, you're like we don't hit. Yeah. How yeah. should we have said that? Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it makes it sound like there's some coven of elders that decided what we all do. <laughs> I do that when I, yeah. when I grade my online students. I'm like, well, what we're missing here is a period <laughs> at the end of a sentence or, you know, whatever. I, I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. Well, that's great. Yeah. One of my very best friends just moved back to Florida from Mexico. So I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you guys? Well, I just came out of a blackout. Not a myself blackout. I mean, like an electrical, <laughs> like the power went out. She's just coming to. Gail comes to <laughs> mid-run. <laughs> what am I doing here? And it was, what, what was it about? Like three hours long-ish? Two and a half hours? So Something like that. It got hot. Let me tell you. But I read a lot of my book, so that was nice. But I What book are you reading? I think I I'm finishing up Big Little Lies because I started it. I read half of it last year and then I was like, I'm bored. And then not because well, mainly because I saw the show and I was like, I think this is not what I want. And it turns out it is. I just didn't give it enough time. Nice. Yeah. But I, I have all these spider bites, I think. And so that's that's kind of bothering me, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. I hope that they're they're okay spider bites. But I think the power yeah. and the spiders have something to do with each other. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I was just watching an episode of Younger, which has really been making me very happy these days. It's very like light and fun, but it is quite fun. Yeah. And at one point she's talking about her life being this crazy um she's got these two different circles she's trying to keep from running into each other socially and she's drawing it out and her friend's like it's not a i can't remember what she describes it as originally the sudden foster character but then the debbie mazer character is like you don't have a whatever you said you have a web and she like connects all the lines and she's like but i'm a spider i do well with the web and then debbie mazer tells her you're the fly and <laughs> it's it's good stuff Anyway, <laughs> it's a swell show. I haven't watched it yet. I've been binging The Handmaid's Tale and having terrible nightmares. So yeah, you can't do that. It's <laughs> yeah. rough. I'm, I've been binging the the Nature is Scary Twitter f- feed, and that's oh, probably just as bad. I need to not do it yeah. right before going to bed. That sounds intense. Yeah, I don't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> But Anne, how are you? We haven't heard yet. I'm okay. It's just my body is broken. So 
but I, but I am, I am on the mend. Caroline and Gail know this, but I broke a rib a few weeks ago, glamorously while cleaning the bathroom. I fell, <laughs> I fell on the lip of the tub, and brought down the shower curtain with me and knocked the wind out of myself. It was really dramatic wow. and stupid. I know that well, but. I'm on the mend. It's been two and a half weeks. It no longer hurts just to breathe, which is nice. Yeah. And now I have a sinus infection, which is fine. I mean, it's it's not as bad. It's just I feel like I feel like dramatically I haven't been well in like ages and ages, but that's not true. It's only been like three weeks, so I'll live. Well, I don't know. I hope you. We're going really opposite directions, <laughs> which is, I, I would say, a microcosm of our relationship. Yeah. Caroline's like, well, you're, I'm going to say something really nice. And I'm like, yeah, but what if you die, too? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <that's... laughs> I, they, my friends know that I love them. It's just instead of doing that, I go the opposite direction. So yeah, we know you wish us harm. It's okay. No, I just like to play the element of surprise. <laughs> it's, you like you to just kind of like terrorize us, basically. Yeah, you like I, to keep the relationship nice and spicy. Yeah, volatile. I think is a good word for it. <laughs> it's been a real tumult, Gail, to be your friend. Ten years of terror. <laughs> okay, I think we have a very fun question. I think so too. Uh, so. Now that yes. we're kind of on an up note, having some fun, let's listen to uh, our question for today. Great. I have a question. I was inspired by Jim Morrison to wake up early and embrace the dawn. So I'm up around six in the morning or a little bit earlier every day. So my question is, how early is too early to drink a beer? Is 8 o'clock okay on a day that you have nothing to do and you can just hang around and drink a beer early? Or is 10.30 a good time to wait? Or is it only okay to drink alcohol after 12 o'clock? What's your take on this question? Thank you, the Contessa of Kenzel. So the Barefoot Contessa has a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe she's asking us. I know. She sounds so different. I feel so honored. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we don't have to talk quite as much about the the question as we usually do. Do we want to say anything about this question before we get started? Uh, It's a great question. It is a great question. I think it's really, it's interesting that it's specifically a beer, right? Because it's it's not like, can I snort Coke in the morning or, you know. Even like, or like, or like, have a brush cocktail. Whiskey. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, I made like a little list of times when people say it's appropriate to drink early Mm -hmm. in the day. And like, obviously, brunch cocktails are a thing. And so maybe just make that rule apply to you with a beer, or maybe look into some beer cocktails. I also feel like people are okay with drinking early if it's like, a tour of something or a tasting like I went to a 10 a.m. distillery tour with my mom and drank whiskey like at 10 30 in the morning which normally she's not down for that and also like bridal showers 
Yeah. So these are just – I was just like workshopping some like little faux events you could throw for yourself if you feel it's necessary to give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Or like in college on St. Patrick's Day, we went to the local Irish pub and had Guinness and Lucky Charms, Ooh. which was disgusting. But yeah. it was really fun and it was – I'm sorry. Lucky Charms like in the Guinness? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right? It's gross, but it was yeah. a thing. Gail sounds like mad about it. <laughs> no, I'm trying to keep my nausea at bay. <laughs> yeah, so that's maybe not a good example because it wasn't good. Yeah. So I. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> no, I think you should go ahead because I no. think it's on the same. Well, maybe path. now I'm thinking maybe I'm remembering it wrong. And it was like they gave us Lucky Charms with milk and then we had. A Guinness on the side because that would make more sense yeah but I mean when you're in college and you're doing it's I mean it's hard to say none of that ever makes sense you know no I used to do with my family like with my my siblings we used to do Irish car bombs pretty often which is almost like having milk and Guinness oh god you guys are really trying to make (laughs) whatever is in my stomach come out oh god you do have to drink a car bomb real quick before it curdles. It's not a good one. <laughs> That's the one where the Guinness, you have to drink it before the Guinness. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's fine. It, you drop I wasn't a shot doing of- it to torture you. I just really don't remember. Let's, you drop a shot. gets used a lot. <laughs> you drop a shot of Bailey's into a Guinness and then chug. Oh, right. But it tastes oh, like chocolate God. milk. If, as long as you don't then have to chew it. Oh! <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. That, yeah, that's not ideal. So, um, also the beach. <laughs> so Drinking we, at the beach early? Yeah, we, we drink we rock lobsters the at the beach. And What goes lobster. into a rock lobster? Well, it's basically like orange juice, cranberry juice, fresca, um, a lot of vodka. Fa- any family member who's listening to this is screaming the other ingredients. But regardless, it's it's basically just like fruit. But there has to be some like grapefruit it like involved thing. So the fresca is very important. So if you don't have fresca, just put grapefruit juice in it. And it's really good. And but the point is is that you drink it, you start in the beginning of the day and then you don't remember the rest of the day. Or oh. you're like my dad who fell asleep as the tide was coming in and like my mom found him at the end of the day and like the water had just like rushed all around him and he hadn't woken up yet. And like he was about to get swept by the tide because he'd had a lot of rock, rock lobster. So that's maybe don't do that. I was going to say, this might be a good time to bring up that we're talking about drinking in this episode. And the Contessa's question was, when is it appropriate to have a beer? And so we are (laughs) obviously talking about drinking in a responsible way and when it's okay to, you know. Yes. I think right now is that time for Lysanne and I. So I'm going to open a beer for us to share. Ooh, I've got a LaCroix. Wait. This is a peanut butter chocolate porter. Whoa. Yeah. That I just dripped all over. Nice and, sands. Nice and heavy for summer. Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> In my unair conditioned 90 degree room. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if I was drinking a beer, right now we have. Dogfish head, namaste white. Ooh, that's good. 
hybrid, which is delicious. That is a good beer. Well, I'm in the city of beer, as they call it. Beer City, I think, is actually what they call it. (laughs) Just making up names. Where the home, Grand Rapids, which I'm leaving in a week and a half, is the home of Founders. And it's near Bell's. And it's got all sorts of other – it's got, like, I mean, I think, like, 15 other breweries, like, in Grand Rapids. Therefore, Beer City. Um, And I can't drink red wine anymore. And so I – and I didn't think I really – I was like, okay, with beer. Like, meh, fine. And then I got here, and I was like, oh, I'm going to just, like, try different beers. And turns out, beer's pretty good. So (laughs) It sure is. This summer, I've had the Bell's Oberon in my fridge, which is perfect because it's the only way that you can get Michiganders to really show their accent. Because if you're like, hi, I'd like an Oberon. And they're like, oh, yeah, one Oberon. And then <laughs> it really, you can't hide it. So I really like it. All right. Lisa- That's one of my favorite beers. Yeah, it's really good. Lisa Ann and I are going to cheers into the mic real quick. Ooh. Lisanne, please take out my alcoholism comment. <laughs> but I think, I mean, that, that is kind of a question, right? It's like, just like, I'm just going to like posit this question, which is like, the thing is, is like, are you looking for a justification or are you like, it, like, are you already going to drink and you're trying to find a, a reason to drink or are you, is it like a part of something else? Right. Um, yeah. And that's, I think when I was preparing my suggestions for the Contessa, I was thinking like, okay, she says she gets up early to greet the dawn and she wants to know when she can have a a beer. Mm -hmm. So I think let's just assume our Contessa is drinking responsibly and give her suggestions based on that. I think that's a good idea. So do we have any recommendations for her? Well, I do, Anne. Um, <laughs> I I went really nerdy uh, this week, which I think is, I guess, maybe my brain being like, do the opposite of the cool suggestion. Because, the you know, the, the question is like, oh, I'm going to drink a beer. I'm going to be really cool. And so, like, I guess maybe my little Gail brain went like, great, be as dorky as possible. And so I will. This made me kind of think about what I know about Restoration England. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. (laughs) Which is that nobody drank water because the water was filthy. It was like just cholera, bacteria, just, you know, you're just drinking poop. That's all you were doing was (laughs) drinking everybody's poop. And they thought milk was like dirty. I think like almost like not just like dirty illness wise, but like dirty, you know. I don't know. Yeah, like (laughs) it came out of a cow's (laughs) tent. Yeah, that's yeah, don't yeah, don't even look at it. So <laughs> the thing is is that I know about Restoration England is that they drank beer constantly. That's all they did. Well, I wouldn't say that's all they did, but that's kind of what all they did. That was like their breakfast drink was a small ale and things like that. And they basically would like like coffee wasn't a thing yet. You know, some t- like coffee kind of became a thing in later Restoration England. And like some t- like some hot chocolate maybe, but I think like even the hot chocolate was mixed with beer because again water poop, and so <laughs> the like collection of connected <laughs> recommendations I have, um, and I so I know this mainly because number one, <laughs> there's a great show that's only on YouTube that 
needs to get on Netflix. I think I'm going to start a, a petition. But it's called The Supersizers Go. And it's oh, with yeah. food critic Giles Corin and our lovely Sue Perkins uh, from The Great British Bake Off. And it's probably like 2006, 2005, like a long time ago. Actually, probably I think like 2003 is when it really started maybe. And then it, as time happens, it goes on. And so each week they like – so it kind of started out – you know, as Britain did in like the early 2000s, probably now too, was like, man, we're trying to be so healthy. So we're going to do this like really weird experimental event to show us how unhealthy we are and like to try and get everybody to eat healthier. So they like started the show by like they they get themselves medically tested by a doctor. Sue is, I think, normally a vegetarian. Giles is a food critic, so he's a little bit not as healthy, but he's very, you know, still pretty healthy. They get like looked at by a doctor. And then the very first show they did was, I think like Edwardian England, maybe. But the point is they're, you know, trying to show like how, how unhealthy everybody ate back then. And so then at the, so they would like dress the part, live and they'd like pick a kind of like life that they'd be living in Edwardian England or whatever. And then after the week is over, then get tested by a doctor again and the doctor would be like well turns out because of all of this gross stuff your blood pressure is now 5,000 and you're you have gout and all this stuff (laughs) so then they started this like whole show where like they do a different like period in British history every week and so (laughs) this time so they did restoration so they did the 1660s and it's so gross this is one of the grossest episodes because there's no running water so they're like peeing in a bucket at the dinner table which is hilarious and by the way but and like i mean obviously sue perkins is just a freaking delight she's hilarious and she's so lovely they're both just like dressed up in these stupid restoration era clothes like the high collars and the tiny hats and stuff they were suspicious of vegetables because of the ground same thing as milk um everything was high protein and fat so they had, they, the doctor said that they were going to have severe constipation. They had beer for breakfast, wine for lunch, and wine for dinner. They ate coxcombs, which, no. Um, their breakfast, this is my favorite. So it was oysters. This is, again, my nausea is just creeping up. Oysters, <laughs> bread and cream, and then a small ale for breakfast. <laughs> and it said the quote, there are two quotes here. One is the narrator and he goes, water was undrinkable. So babies went straight from breast to the beer. <laughs> and then Sue, who looks at the camera and says, I've been off my face since nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's so funny. And it reminded me of like reading uh, Samuel Pepys's diary, who I think it's like, I think it's about 1660s. And he also like, he always writes down what he drank in Restoration England. And it was always just like, I had my morning draft. I had a weak beer. I had this and this. And then they, I think they also had some severe constipation because, oh, and they thought the milk also was bad because there's a quote here that says he and somebody in the Navy, he was talking about one of them having to rush into the devil tavern to shit, he having drunk whey and his belly rot. So they were really into beer because they were not feeling good about milk. So what I'm trying to say is, number one, you should definitely watch every episode of The Supersizers Go. They're all on YouTube. It's not the best visuals, but they're pretty good. But it doesn't matter because the narration and the comedy is just 
it makes up for it. It's so freaking good. It's hilarious. And you, you do a little bit of learning too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That reminds me of a drunk history episode that I recently watched. Um, nice. It was an episode on the Roosevelt's and yeah the one where winston churchill visited visits fdr <laughs> and he basically his rider for his visit is all of the alcohol that he requires starting at 8 a.m and how he and fdr just have this wonderful like drunken bromance during the weekend that he visits <laughs> and it just sounded really lovely and disgusting also, it's just really funny because it's drunk history. That wasn't on my original yeah. recommendations, but I do highly recommend that episode, Contessa. Yeah, and drunk history in, in general is just hilarious. Yeah, my second one's drunk history. Oh, great. Sorry. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. No. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's so funny. I also think it's funny because it reminds me of the thing about Winston Churchill, which is when uh, he came over during Prohibition. He had, a, like, his doctor write a letter um, saying that he had to have alcohol constantly. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's something – it's, like, it's not – it doesn't say constantly, but it, that's pretty much what it is. It's just, like, an IV of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, beer for breakfast makes me think of one of my recommendations, which – this is not an encouraging song in any way, and it's certainly it's, <laughs> it's not the way I hope you do know what it's going to be, Gail. It's not the yeah, way I, I was dumb. <laughs> it's not the way I hope you're drinking your morning beer if you have a morning beer, Contessa. But it's the song "Sunday Morning Coming Down" by Chris Christopherson, which Johnny Cash recorded, Willie Nelson recorded. I would recommend the Willie Nelson recording because that's the one I grew up with. Uh, But the lyrics begin, well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head that didn't hurt. And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad. So I had one more for dessert. I had one more for dessert. That's right. (laughs) And then (laughs) he finds his cleanest dirty shirt. And then one of my other favorite lines in this. Then I walked across the street and caught the Sunday smell of someone frying chicken, which I like. So this is kind of one of those like old classic country songs right and it has some of those like country tropes that people make fun of of like oh my my dog's dead and everything sucks and it's really sad but it's got this true authentic human sadness in it rather than just being the trope and the chorus is on a sunday morning sidewalk i'm wishing lord that i was stoned there's something in a sunday that makes the body feel alone which just like cuts straight to the core of me and then mm-hmm. and there's nothing short of dying that's half as lonesome as the sound of the sleeping city sidewalk and sunday morning coming down and chris christopherson's just such a freaking amazing songwriter so highly recommend that for you even though it's kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah so i will say i know i'm gonna probably get some shit for this but sean mullins does probably one of my favorite uh versions of that song because he has such a like it's just the saddest voice when he gets that low low baritone it's just so good i think it's a really really early album like really like a i think probably like eggshells or like really really early because he's that's like when he's basically just like hanging out literally on a sidewalk with the guitar but it's really good and it's got that like chris christopherson sound where it's just like he's everything it sounds really good and raw that's it's a really good song 
That's what this song needs. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there's a Drunk History episode that talks about this song, too. So. Really? Oh. Wow. Awesome. I can't wait to get there. Yep. I played it for my dad when he came and visited. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Lisanne and I heard a, a weird sound, and I told her it was a UFO, and now we're trying not to laugh. <laughs> so, so, Gail, when you first said Sean Mullins, I for some reason thought of Sean Colvin, and now I have that Sunny Came Home song in my head. <laughs> They're totally different people. They really are. Anyway. I mean, both pretty good singer-songwriters. <laughs> anyway. I um, Here's a little story about that song. It's the opposite of drinking beer in the morning, I think. My friends and I, so we really wanted to play that song, and I wanted to sing it because we were pretty good players and singers. We were in the praise band in church. I, by the way, I was 16. And we were going to Saukahatchee, which was like a Methodist retreat, and my friend had just gotten a mandolin and was like, I know Sonny came home. And I was like, great, because I know how to sing it. And so we convinced, we like tried to convince the, because then there was like a talent show like at the end of the weekend. And we convinced the person doing the talent show that Sunday Came Home was a Christian song. And <laughs> therefore, we got to sing it in public in front of everybody. And it was great. Oh, my God. I also have a church-related Sean Colvin story. What? <laughs> in high school, when I was in youth group, back in the day when I was Catholic, we did What's it called? CDC? Am I making CCD, that up? CCD. The Center, CCD. Centers for Disease Control. <laughs> Whatever. Same thing. Center for Catholic Disease Center. <laughs> Our youth group did this all night relay, which now that I'm thinking about it was just... But anyway, we did it. We did this all night relay for charity. And when we were all like taking breaks, they had activities for us to do to like stay awake insane and one of them was karaoke and my friend insisted on singing so he came home for this like youth group all night relay at like 3 a.m she sang sunny came home anyway that's great yeah we used to do these all night things at my youth group that were called lock-ins which is so creepy mm -hmm. when you think about it we did and those too. yeah i don't remember we did them on girl scouts I don't remember much about my first lock-in, except that I met this boy whose name was Mason Ski, who I thought hung the fucking moon. Oh, man, I like that guy. And he played the opening track. Shouts out, Mason. Yeah, Mason Ski, if you're out there, I thought you were adorable, but you knew that. I think most people thought you were adorable back then. But um, he played the opening track from... Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, that oh my God. piano track. He played that on piano. He played that on piano, and I was like, Mason, I listened to that before bed every night. And like our eyes met, and I was like, I'm going <laughs> to marry Mason Ski. <laughs> wow. That happened between me and one of the youth group counselors when I was playing Tori Amos on the piano, and he tried to say something really weird about Stevie next to me. And that was about the year that I left youth. Group. Yeah, sounds know. like it. <laughs> sounds accurate. Like, I can't remember what I was playing, but he, like, came up behind me and was like, you know, that's how Stevie Nicks got started. Man, I love Stevie Nicks. <laughs> You're like, well, just don't go, don't go tooting the nose candy, Gail. <laughs> that is maybe the fourth time I've mentioned cocaine in this podcast, <laughs> and I don't, I don't 
what's the word? Condone. <laughs> I was like, do, I, do? do I condone it? <laughs> is the word you're looking for do? <laughs> I condemn it is what I do. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to our contest. The beer's really taken a toll on this episode, guys. <laughs> sure has. <laughs> so I, I started thinking about drinking in different cultures and how in different parts of the world, drinking takes on people drink at different times with different purposes. And I recommend Contessa that you watch, though it may be sad to watch it now, uh, Parts of the Known with Anthony Bourdain, especially the season eight episode where he travels to Sichuan, China with Eric Repair. And basically makes Eric Repair eat all this spicy food that he doesn't want to eat and drink all of this beer and alcohol that he doesn't want to drink. But it's beautiful and sweet and funny. It's a great episode. It's a great show. But I, I always think it's interesting watching Parts Unknown and just learning about how different cultures deal with alcohol and that people drink at different times of the day. And, and basically in this episode, um, Anthony Bourdain brings Eric Repair to this formal banquet, these executives from a local distillery. And it's this sort of ceremony where the guest of honor has to toast each and every guest individually, which means that like <laughs> he has to drink about eight to 10 times more than everybody else. <laughs> And everyone else there is just fine because they have a super high tolerance. And he like asks, Anthony asks one of the restaurant proprietors how often they do this. And he's like, oh, we do business functions like this about three times a week, like for the same company. And so people are just used <laughs> to drinking this much because it's part of the culture and it's part of this like particular honoring of, of a special guest. And Man. I just think, you know, it's all about perspective, too. I love that. It reminds me. Yeah, I love it too. It reminds me of the Ukraine episode on um, No Reservations, which I'm still like, I, parts I know is really good, but I'm like such an old school No Reservations jerk, I think is maybe the word. <laughs> Fan. <laughs> um, that was not the word I thought you were going to say. <laughs> a snob maybe? No, no. Um, It really, it's, there's nothing snobby about it. I just like, I just have such such like emotional connection feelings to no reservations, even though it's so old now, which is just so funny to think about. But it reminds me of the episode when he goes to the Ukraine and his friend Zamir and he meets his friend Zamir who shows up in like every Eastern country tour he ever does. And then he shows up in one like St. Louis one. And that's really funny. But they meet up in the Ukraine. They like go to like an early lunch and they drink like three quarts of vodka each because they're just cheersing everything. And that reminds me of that too because it's like they're both just, well, Zamir's drinking it like water. Tony is having a kind of a rough time, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's funny to watch stuff like that. Like, especially with, you know, like Russian. Like the that like vodka culture is so interesting. So when I was in college, my friend Kid uh, studied in Moscow, and he it was like a homestay situation. And his first homestay was with this young, probably early twenties guy. That <laughs> Kid's Russian was not probably as good as one would have liked <laughs> to go study in Moscow. <laughs> and he said his first few nights, he kept talking to this guy and thinking that he was saying something like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out. And then the guy would just keep 
bringing him more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> but that homestay wasn't really working out because the guy didn't actually have a bed. He had a small couch and kids probably six foot two. And so they ended up rehoming him with this old babushka who at some point kid got sick with a cold or a cough of some kind and he woke up in the night and she was throwing vodka on his chest (laughs) and he's like what are you doing so yeah the vodka culture is strong (laughs) it's very i mean it's antibacterial right that's i hear so contessa embrace the dawn by dousing yourself (laughs) just throw vodka on your chest (laughs) keeps you healthy and eat some Szechuan food Contessa I want to lean into your name for a second and say that you should um, make a recipe by the Barefoot Contessa and I was looking for something that Ina Garten the Barefoot Contessa does that involves beer and she has a Guinness brown bread that's in her Cooking for Jeffrey cookbook. And so I recommend... Oh, I got that one. Yeah, I think you should try that one out. Other things in the cookbook also are amazing, but the Guinness brown bread, I think you'd enjoy. That's a really great idea, Caroline. Thank you. So I started to think about this question. Instead of just thinking about beer, I started thinking about um, when you allow yourself to indulge. Because that's really what she's asking is like, when is it okay for me to just do this thing that feels pretty great? Yeah. And... That got me just thinking about like food and drink more widely. And so I have a couple suggestions that go with that. And the first is the movie Big Night. I'm not sure if either of you have seen that. I have not. Do you know this movie? I have not. Is that like okay. a large a large night of the round table? <laughs> no. N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> so Big Night is this incredibly charming movie from the 90s. And it takes place in the 50s in New Jersey, I think. And it's these two brothers who own an Italian restaurant and it's not doing very well. And they decide that they're going to have a big dinner party, like one one last big night. Yeah. And the idea is either this is going to save the restaurant, it's going to draw enough attention or enough guests or whatever and save the restaurant, or it's going to just be this wonderful final night before they have to call it quits. And they just want to make the most wonderful food and have the most wonderful party. And it's just a really fun movie and it is filled with people you love. So the brothers are played by Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci. Great. And then also- Because of course they're brothers. Of course, they're great in it. Mark Anthony's in it, Minnie Driver's in it, Isabella Rossellini is in it. Alice and Janney. It's a fantastic movie. It is so much fun to watch. And like, I think Tony Shalhoub is one of the great character actors of our lifetime. I freaking love that man so much. I think he's brilliant Mm -hmm. in everything he does. And he's great in this. Stanley Tucci could marry me tomorrow. I mean, I would get rid of Phil. I would run off with him. There's that one tweet that has like a picture of Stanley Tucci and a picture of uh, Kyle MacLachlan. And it's like, do you ever have that fantasy that Kyle MacLachlan and Stanley Tucci own a restaurant upstate and you're the best damn waitress they've ever had? (laughs) And I I have that screenshotted and saved in my phone because I love it so much. Even when like space was getting a little risky on my phone, I was like not letting the Stanley Tucci tweet go. So I love both of them. I think they're great. The movie's really fun. It's all about like enjoying food and also like enjoying food and drink and all that comes with that because so much 
of consuming in that way is about community and culture and family and like connecting with people. And it's, it's all of that in one movie. I love it so much. That sounds yeah. so great. It is. And I watched it a couple of years ago on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I should have checked. But as of like probably 2015, it was on Netflix. So, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, I really recommend you guys see it. And then Contessa, I think you'd love it too. We should all watch it together. Ooh. Yeah. So I guess I have a recommendation on a similar theme of indulgence and thinking, Contessa, about how you opened your question saying that you wanted to embrace the dawn. I thought of Frank O'Hara, poet. He was a poet who wrote in the 50s and 60s. His poems are very much, he's just writing what he's observing and just living his life and recording what's happening to him and his friends. And his poems are funny and tender and beautiful and heartbreaking. But he has this collection that came out in 1964 called Lunch Poems that I think you would really appreciate just in terms of thinking about like staying present in the moment and being honest to yourself. These poems are like easy breezy in some ways, but I just think that they're like really great poems about living your life. And anyway, I'm going to read one. Steps. How funny you are today, New York, like Ginger Rogers in Swing Time and St. Bridget's steeple leaning a little to the left. Here I have just jumped out of a bed full of V-days. I got tired of D-days. And blue you there still accepts me foolish and free. All I want is a room up there and you in it. And even the traffic halt so thick is a way for people to rub up against each other. And when their surgical appliances lock, they stay together for the rest of the day. What a day. I go by to check a slide and I say that painting's not so blue. Where's Lana Turner? She's out eating and Garbo's backstage at the Met. Everyone's taking their coat off so they can show a rib cage to the rib watchers. And the park's full of dancers and their tights and shoes in little bags who are often mistaken for worker outers at the West Side Y. Why not, the Pittsburgh Pirates shout, because they won, and in a sense we're all winning, we're alive. The apartment was vacated by a gay couple who moved to the country for fun. They moved a day too soon. Even the stabbings are helping the population explosion, though in the wrong country, and all those liars have left the UN. The Seagram buildings no longer rivaled in interest, not that we need liquor, we just like it. And the little box is out on the sidewalk next to the delicatessen, so the old man can sit on it and drink beer and get knocked off it by his wife later in the day while the sun is still shining. Oh God, it's wonderful to get out of bed and drink too much coffee and smoke too many cigarettes and love you so much. That is such a good poem. I love Frank O'Hara. And I don't know, for some reason, Contessa, your question reminded me of Frank O'Hara's outlook as well. Embrace the dawn. Drink some beer. Drink some beer whenever you want. And live your life. Yeah. (laughs) The end. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That's great. The end. Gail, do you have any other suggestions? 
Um, I do. I have a couple of my favorite drunk history episodes. Wonderful. Or like my favorite drunk history segments, I guess, or like a couple of suggestions there. But it made me think a lot about like our discussion of like being a responsible drinker and yet still and like using it to have fun and like to have like another adjacent experience, but not a negative one, right? So like I know I read a lot about a long time ago, the not a long time ago, I say that like Back 20 years ago, I was learning about drunk history, but upon reading about drunk history, so like Derek Waters, when he kind of vets who is going to, who like, which of the comedians is going to come and drink and share their historical experiences, that he like makes sure that they have a responsible uh, relationship with alcohol (laughs) because he's really going to fuck with them. That seems like (laughs) the only way that show can exist. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like there has to be some sort of like good line that's drawn because like he does things like like one of the things that he tends to do is like tell you he's that like he's going to be ready or they're like the set's going to be ready at seven. And so like you so he's like drink four drinks by seven and you're like done. okay. And then he doesn't show up until nine. Or something like that. He tries to like go around. So like anytime you're trying to be like, because they're, because, you know, comedians are, they tend to be, you know, I won't say full of themselves, but like they're trying really hard to like put on a show and have everything kind of set and written out. And like they're, they have like their jokes kind of ready. Right. And his whole thing is to like try to subvert that. And so he's like, you're going to drink. Then you're also going to drink more than you think you're going to drink. And I'm going to make you wait longer. And I'm going to, you know, like change all this other stuff. So like he really and he like kind of he'll stop them sometimes like if they sound too like on. He's like, all right, you're. Yeah, this is a show right now. Like we want to see like who you really are, which I really like. Yet, of course, he does make sure that like dates are right and stuff like that. But anyway, I just love Drunk History for that reason, just because I think it's the thing I like about comics is that they're funny, but there's no sense of performance and there's no sense of like that like self-consciousness that I really dislike in stand-up comedy I mean and also it's just a really good show and the last like few seasons have been really really good because they've picked like some really off the wall and important historical events and then it's really great so my three recommendations so there's the Unsolved Mysteries one that is just fantastic and it's got Kristen Dunst as Agatha Christie (laughs) Which is really good because it kind of talks about her disappearance and her like randomly coming back a few days later. But she disappears. In the Unsolved Mysteries one, there's, I think it's just Georgia Hardstark does a, because I know she does one with Allie earlier, but I think this is just her where she does the one about the town that gets all the letters, the like weird, the town, I think it's in Ohio that gets all the weird letters and then it ends up somebody, anyway, it's like, it's cool. Anyway. So the Unsolved Mysteries one is really good. And then the one called Dangerous Minds. And it does this Rasputin story. <laughs> and it's so good because it talks about like all the different ways that he enjoys uh, having sex and all the different ways that all the men tried to kill him. And it's just so funny because <laughs> they just keep trying to kill him and he won't die. And my favorite thing is is Rasputin, or like one of the comics being Rasputin, is just yelling out, I have two dicks! I have two dicks! (laughs) It's so good. And I don't think that Rasputin actually said it, but probably something pretty close. And then the other episode is Game Changers with Raven Simone as Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek. 
Um, and they have like Martin Luther King Jr. coming up to her at like a luncheon because she's like about to quit Star Trek. And he's like, please don't quit. You're the only black person on TV who isn't a maid. You're the best thing ever. And she's like, oh, you're MLK Jr. I really like you. You're really smart. You make absolute sense. I guess I'll stay on Star Trek. And then she changed history. And it's got Raven. And like it's Raven That's Simone. So who's Raven. incredible. So <laughs> it's so Raven. <laughs> um, so yeah, I recommend those episodes specifically. That's great. So I yeah. realized when I talked about lunch poems, I didn't talk about the most integral part was that Frank O'Hara wrote them at lunchtime when he was on his lunch break from work and often like drinking a beer. Anyway, sorry. There you go. No, don't be sorry. It's good you got that in there. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that. I have one last suggestion. Should I go with it? Do it. Cool. Please. So I am suggesting, and this is going along with the same idea of just like celebrating food and drink and indulgence or or not even indulgence, but like celebrating the joy you can take in those more, I guess, bodily carnal pleasures. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not sexy. Um, it's the, the book, The Gastronomical <laughs> Me by MFK Fisher. So Contessa, MFK Fisher is a food writer. Well, food writer, a memoirist. She's also written a novel. Um, she's written like several, several volumes that are by all accounts, amazing. I've only read this one, The Gastronomical Me, and I love it. It's so great. This is one of her earliest books, or maybe not earliest, it's maybe like her fifth book, but she's writing about some early experiences with food. And then she moves to Dijon with her husband for his job. So it kind of starts in her childhood and being in the kitchen with her mother and then the cook at her boarding school. And then she moves to Dijon and is learning how to, uh, she's learning French cookery and learning about food and wine and all these things. And she writes about it. And it's just, she's such a beautiful writer. Auden said about her, I do not know of anyone in the United States today who writes better prose. So that's pretty, pretty high praise. But the uh, epigraph for this book, it's to be happy, you must have taken the measure of your powers, tasted the fruits of your passion, and learned your place in the world from the philosopher Santayana. And she has several several chapters in this book that are called the measure of my powers. And that's when she's learning to cook uh, different things. And so if you look at the table of contents, there are some that are very specific, like the first oyster or noble and enough, but then there are just several chapters that are just called the measure of my powers with a date behind them. Um, And this writing goes from 1912 to 1941. So it's it's from when she is a young girl to when she's in like her late 30s. And it's just so beautiful and I love it so much. And I'd like to read the forward to you guys, if you don't mind. It's only about three quarters of a page. People ask me, why do you write about food and eating and drinking? Why don't you write about the struggle for power and security and about love the way others do? They ask it accusingly as if I were somehow gross, unfaithful to the honor of my craft. The easiest answer is to say that, like most other humans, I am hungry. But there's more than that. It seems to me that our three basic needs for food and security and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the other. So it happens that when I write of hunger, I am really writing about love and the hunger for it, and warmth and the love of it and the hunger for it, 
and then the warmth and richness and fine reality of hunger satisfied, and it is all one. I tell about myself and how I ate bread on a lasting hillside, or drank red wine in a room now blown to bits. And it happens without my willing it that I am telling too about the people with me then, and their other deeper needs for love and happiness. There is food in the bowl, and more often than not, because of what honesty I have, there is nourishment in the heart to feed that wilder, more insistent hunger. We must eat. If in the face of that dread fact, we can find another nourishment and tolerance and compassion for it, we'll be no less full of human dignity. There is a communion of more than our bodies when bread is broken and wine drunk. And that is my answer when people ask me, why do you write about hunger and not wars or love? Wow. I love that. Yeah, it's just, I, I'm going to reread this book, but then I also feel the desire to read everything she's written because she's just such a beautiful writer. And you, you guys know how I love food and drink. <laughs> so Contessa, I think you should keep greeting the dawn. That's awesome. And drink yeah. drink and eat what you want when you want within reason. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like doing what you want, but then not not like using, like I can do what I want as like a way to self-destruct <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> don't don't, don't um, eat like a dog who just found your food bag while your owner is out right like eat like a dog who's noble <laughs> eat like a noble dog wow i feel really seen <laughs> i mean everything in moderation you know yes even moderation even even moderation in moderation <laughs> That is a famous quote that I stole. So like, do not. That's not like a funny thing that I said. I just remembered a quote. I think it's like, what is it? Oh God, what's her name? It's like that old 50s starlet. It's like everything in moderation, including moderation. Whatever. It's not Lana Turner, but it might as well be Lana Turner. All right. Let's just attribute it to Lana Turner. Let's just hit. So as Lana Turner would say. (laughs) Contessa, I hope you have a wonderful time cracking a beer open tomorrow morning. Yeah. Drink one for each of us. Because <laughs> now we're friends. That's it's a great idea. Yeah. Yay. According to Lisanne, that quote comes from Oscar Wilde. Oh, okay. Also, I'll tell you just real quick, I'm about to visit Paris, and I was talking to my friend Kita, who lived there for a while, and she was telling me about it, and I showed her where I was staying, and she said, oh, you're staying right by this cemetery. It's a cemetery where a lot of famous people are, and she couldn't think of the word buried, and so she goes hidden <laughs> and then she, she laughed at herself and she was like oh she's like like jim morrison and then she's talking a little late and she goes oh and oscar wilde i think he hides there too <laughs> so oh, they I both really love that they're both in our episode and they're both hidden in that same cemetery <laughs> yeah and oh you already said jim morrison never mind that was the whole point oh god i'm so sorry <laughs> all right <laughs> Bye, bye, Contessa. We love you. Bye, Contessa. (laughs) Now That We're Friends was recorded in front of a live studio audience made up entirely of our pets. Your hosts and three new friends are Caroline Cabrera, Ann Holmes, and Gail Thompson. Our producer is Lisanne Mango Mama Ramos. Our theme music is provided by Gail Thompson. Now That We're Friends is an O Miami production. If you want to ask us for advice to receive our recommendations, you can send a voice memo or written email to newfriend at omiami.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Now That We're Friends and on Twitter and Instagram at NTWF Podcast. <laughs>